Hello, Real Life family and friends. Good to be with you again as we are continuing our series on spirit living. You know, uh, Paul says this in Romans chapter 6. Uh, he says um, in verse 4, We were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so there's this idea that there's a new life for us in Christ, as opposed to our old life or our sinful life, the life that we were bound by sin, um, you know, broken, um, pride, egos, chasing the wrong things. And so we have this past or we have this old nature. We call, the scriptures call it our sinful nature. And the Bible paints this picture that we are coming out of that sinful nature and we are a new creation. So we have this process of, of a new life, a promise of a new life that actually placing faith in Jesus doesn't just guarantee our um, entrance into heaven when we die, but it actually changes our lives right now, right? That's what Paul is saying. We've been, we've been baptized with Christ. We were buried with him. Our old body of sin is now dead. Now we come up and we are a new creation and all things are new. And so we, we are given this promise that we have a new life in Jesus. But oh, how we struggle with sin. And we've all struggled with sin. And I'm talking about Christians, right? We're still struggling with sin. We've all experienced the weakness of our flesh. And we've all been uh, frustrated by wanting to do what is right and for whatever reason, failing to do it. Or wanting not to do what is wrong and still doing it. And this is a frustration for many of us. All of us have experienced what I would consider what the Bible would say, the weakness of our flesh, the weakness of, of our, our ability to say no to sin and say yes to righteousness, right? To not do what's wrong and to say yes to doing what is right. And we just don't always do that. And we see this, Paul talks about this struggle in Romans chapter 7. Now today's message is entitled, Turning Defeat into Victory. Turning Defeat into Victory. If you can relate to this frustration of sin ruling in your life and, and just constantly being weak and, and unable to overcome, I'm hoping that this message gives you a couple of tools and, and myself as well as we try to turn defeat into victory, as we try to actually access and live in this new life that Paul is talking about, that Jesus came to give us, a life of freedom, a life of joy, um, a life where we're not bound by sin, where we can actually overcome sin, uh, where our hearts are changed, our minds are changed, and we are on a progressive life pattern getting to be more and more like Jesus. So I, I hope that this message gives you a few tools um, and you take these principles and apply them and begin to put them into practice and turn defeat into victory. 
So Paul talks about this struggle in Romans chapter 7. I want to look at this with you. And Paul says this in, uh, starting in verse 14. He says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Before we go any further, um, the word in Greek for spiritual here is pneumaticos. Pneumaticos, and that is talking about uh, pneuma is the Greek word for wind, breath, or spirit. In this case, uh, the translation is using spiritual. So it's saying that this pneumaticos is things of a spirit, spiritual. So it's the breath of God or the breathed by the spirit. So Paul is saying the law is breathed by the Holy Spirit, right? It is spiritual. It is of the spirit. And that's powerful. And then he says in the next contrasting phrase, but I am unspiritual. And the word there in Greek is sarkikos, sarkikos, which means carnal or fleshly. So Paul is like is saying this word, the law, God's ways is spiritual, but I am carnal. I am fleshly. Now, keep that in mind as he goes through this. Um, and he's saying that I, I am of sin, right? I'm sold as a slave to sin. And we can all relate to this, that we, we are not um, perfect yet. So he goes on to say in verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. So Paul's like, this is so frustrating. I'm I want to do these things, but I'm not doing them. And the things that I hate, I actually do. And he goes in, verse 16 says, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. He's saying, so even when I'm sinning, I still agree that God's law is good. I'm wrong, right? That's sin. And this is good. God's ways are good. But he's not able to do it. He's frustrated. Verse 17, he says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. It's a very interesting phrase here. So Paul is saying, but, but the part of me that's doing this wrong, the part of me that is sinning is actually my sinful nature. It's not really me. It's not the Christ me. Uh, it's not the born again me. But there's still a part of me that is of sin and that sinful nature. That's the part that's doing this. It's not really who I am, but I'm not fully transferred into that new identity in Christ or for whatever reason. Right? I'm struggling to get to my full new identity in Christ. So when I'm sinning, it's not my new nature, my new um, identity in Christ that's doing it. It's my old nature. It's not really me anymore, but it's there, right? And so that's what he's trying to say when he says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. It's that sinful nature rising up again. In verse 18, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Now he's distinguishing it again. He's like, in my sinful nature, my old self, I know there's nothing good in that part of who I am. So he's just being real and honest with us. The next phrase he says, For I have 
the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Paul is talking about willpower here. He's like, I want to do what's right, but I just can't do it. My willpower's not strong enough to do what I really want to do. I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow the law. I want to do the right things. I want to not do the wrong things, but I can't always do it. For some reason, I just don't have enough willpower to make that happen. So verse 19, he says, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. How frustrating that is. Verse 20, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So Paul is trying to dig himself out of this hole. He's frustrated like you and me. He's being honest and real with us. And he's really sharing this in a way so that we all are on the same page. He's like, you guys, I know that you can relate to this, guys. This is how this thing works, right? I'm not quite where I want to be yet. There's still this old part of me that's kicking up from time to time and trying to take control and uh, trying to um, stop me from living the new life that God has for me in Christ. And we can all relate to that. And so, but Paul is saying, but it's not really me. It's not the new me. It's, it's this old sinful nature that's causing the problem. And so with all of this tension, you know, trying to break free from old sinful patterns, attitudes, behaviors, we all know it's extremely difficult and frustrating. How frustrating to not have enough willpower to say no to that which we ought to say no to, and to say yes to those things that we ought to do. And so that's kind of the idea of this message today. Everyone has tried to break a habit or start a new habit or break an addiction. We know the difficulty and the frustration of this process of transformation, right? And so the idea of this message today is that it's obvious None of us have the willpower to do this. So what's the answer? What's the solution? It's not to be a better Christian. You know, I'm not going to tell you, try harder, you know, do more. But there, are, there is a solution. And this is Romans chapter 7. But then Romans chapter 8, Paul begins to show that there is a solution. Romans chapter 8, verse 21 to 25. He breaks it down a little bit more. And he says, so I find this law at work. Um, I'm sorry, this is actually chapter uh, Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 25. We're not to chapter 8 yet. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in my members. What a wretched man I am, Paul says. Who will rescue me from this body of death? So Paul is saying, look, I'm, I, I see this struggle. There's a struggle. There's a battle going on. And there's this, there's this other part of me waging war against the new part of me trying to um, 
break me down, trying to keep me captive, trying to keep me from, from being who Christ has made me to be. It's literally waging war against me. And, and it makes me a prisoner of the law of sin and the death and that whole cycle again when it pulls me back, right? And he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this body of death, from this cycle of sin and imprisonment and brokenness? Who will save me? And he answers his own question and he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he goes into chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and the title in my Bible of Romans chapter 8 is Life Through the Spirit. The answer to this question, who will save me? How do I come out of this sin? How do I turn defeat into victory? Is living in the Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about for several weeks now, is Spirit living. So Romans chapter 8, Paul begins to show us that in and of ourselves, through our own willpower, we can't win this victory. That is why we need to live in the Holy Spirit. When we live by the Spirit, we now have God power instead of willpower. And through the Holy Spirit, we can defeat that old sinful nature and break loose and break chains and be transformed and turn defeat into victory. That's why Jesus came to, uh, and said to us that I will ask of the Father and he will send to you. He will give to you another counselor who will be with you. He will guide you into all truth. He will teach you all things and he will be with you and he will be in you. He will be with you forever and he is our helper. And so we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit is our helper, how he is with us, how he is in us. And this is one of his big, um, uh, big purposes is to help us live in this new life that Jesus has for us, to turn defeat into victory, to set us free, to teach us how to say no to sin, and to empower us out of that old life and old nature into a new life in a new way that Jesus made possible for us. So the struggle really is between our sinful nature and our spirit, the Holy Spirit in us, our spirit, right? We have this great tug of war going on in our Christian lives. On the one hand, we have been born again, and we have a new nature. We have this new calling. Uh, we have a new spirit by which we are learning to live by, right? That's, that's true. But on the other hand, we have a sinful nature that is still vying for control of us, and from which we are striving to be completely free from. We are trying to make a complete break from. Now, when we place our faith in Jesus, there is a break spiritually. There is a complete uh, uh, you know, shifting and breaking of the power of sin over our lives. But, it's, but we still need to put it away. We still need to learn how to live a new life. And so we see the remnants of that nature constantly rearing its ugly head, right? And trying to gain um, control again. And so Romans 7 speaks of this frustration and this raging battle between who we were in our sin and who we are in Christ by faith. Who we were in our sinful nature and who we are by faith in Christ right now. And so how do we win? 
And the answer is life through the Spirit. You see, in and of ourselves, again, we're not capable of doing this. This is not about being a better Christian, right? We need more than willpower. We need God power. And that's why the Holy Spirit has come to lead us into victory and to break off the old sinful nature in our lives and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. That's God's plan. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is our power source for victory over sin. Not ourselves, but the Holy Spirit. Living in the Spirit gives us the power to overcome sin. It's not us being better Christians, okay? We need the anointing and the presence and this personal, intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to show you how Paul outlines that, okay? In Romans 8, uh, verses 3 and 4, it says, And so he, Jesus, condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, that we might be fully redeemed, that he paid for all of our penalties to sin, to set us free, to redeem us from that life. And then it goes on, Paul says this phrase, who, he's talking about us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So these are the two things we're going to look at. What does it look like to live according to the sinful nature versus what it looks, lo it looks like to live according to the Spirit? Because Paul's saying we no longer live according to the sinful nature. Now we live according to the Spirit. So you see the sinful nature versus the Spirit. Our sinful nature versus the Spirit. Okay? So what does it look like to live according to the Spirit? So Romans Chapter 8, verse 5, says this, Those who live according to the sinful nature over here have their minds set on, that, on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So number one, we need to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We need to focus our thoughts, focus our minds on what God desires, not what our flesh desires. When we are focusing on what we want in our flesh, what our sinful nature is craving, the evil desires uh, of our sinful nature, when we are giving ourselves to those thoughts, then, there, then we are activating this whole temptation cycle, which begins with a desire, and then it leads to sin, and then that sin conceives and leads to death or brokenness or consequences, right? And uh, James talks about that cycle. And so it all starts when we begin to put our mind on what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants this, wants more money, more power, more pleasure. We start to follow the craving of our flesh, our mind will trigger the whole temptation process. And if we don't cut it off, if we don't change our minds and set our minds instead on what the Spirit desires, then we're going to fall into this temptation cycle which leads to death, leads to hurt and harm and brokenness. And that's the frustration, right? So number one, the number one uh, you know, advice that we get from the Scripture, guidance from the Scripture is to 
not dial in or focus our mind on the sinful nature and our desires, evil desires, but decide to put our mind on what God desires. That is a purposeful step that we can take. And that's what it looks like to live according to the Spirit. It's a practical application. Well, it can sound, oh, live according to the Spirit. It can sound real vague and just kind of mystical. But the Scripture says, no, it actually is putting your mind on purpose, dialing it in to focus on what God desires, what the Spirit desires. So I, I really believe that that looks like meditating on the Scriptures, meditating on who God is, uh, filling your mind with prayer, with thoughts of God, uh, with worship. And so here's a verse in Psalm chapter 1, uh, verse, uh, verse 2 and 3. I like this, this chapter. It's an amazing chapter. And uh, let me read these two verses for you. Here we go. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Blessed is the man who's not giving himself to his sinful nature, right? Verse two, but, now we're switching over. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He's delighting in God's word, right? And on his law, he's meditating day and night. He's muttering to himself. He's thinking about, he's musing about the promises of God the glory of God, the word of God, the rightness, the perfection, uh, the wisdom of God in God's word. He's contemplating, muttering, talking to himself about God and what, who God is and what God's interested in. His mind is set day and night, right, on God's precepts. And look at the difference. Now, the difference is he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The blessing of the Lord is upon this person's life. And because when we are putting our mind on God's word and his ways and we're muttering it and thinking about it, our mind is focused on that. We're living according to what God is saying. And that's how we walk according to the spirit. And, and so God begins to lead us and guide us throughout our day, emotionally, mentally, willfully, according to his word. Because our minds are caught up with him. That's just one example. There's so many other scriptures like that. But also, Jesus would put it this way in Matthew 6, to seek first, to turn your attention to, and to actively pursue the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all this other details of life will fall into place for you. But to put your focus on the kingdom of God, right? On the activity of God. So that's what it looks like to compare the two. Our minds can be on our problems, can be on our desires, can be on ourself, can be on earthly things, or we can set our minds on meditating on God's word, praying, worshiping, and muttering God's promises and goodness, and our mind will be on Him and on His ways, and we'll be living according to the Spirit. The Spirit will be leading us. All right, so then Philippians 4.8 would put it this way. Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such 
things. Put your mind on those things. Think about, meditate on things that are good, right? Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Think about the kingdom of God. Think about heaven. Think about what God's plans are. Think about the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. Turn your mind and your focus to these things. That's what it means to live according to the spirit instead of according to the sinful nature. It's about mind. Really, it's about mind control, right? Who's in control of your mind? The sinful nature or the spirit? So then we go on to the next one. Uh, Romans 8, 6, the very next verse, Paul says, the mind of sinful man over here, when you're thinking this way, when you're focused on the evil desires, that results in death. Why? Because again, the desire uh, leads to sin. The sin leads to brokenness and death. That's what James says to us. But in contrast to that, the mind over here controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. Like I just said in Psalm chapter one, uh, it re results in whatever he does prospers. He's blossoming like a tree by a, a river of water, living water, right? He's bearing fruit. And so the person who's living according to the Spirit and whose mind is not only set on the Spirit, but given over to the control of the Spirit. Letting God have control of your, of your mind results in life and peace for you. The opposite over here in the sinful nature, when our mind is caught up or controlled by our sinful nature, it could be caught up or controlled by uh, a lustful thought or an anger or a hurt or a pain. It could be controlled by fear and worry and anxiety. And all of those things that are trying to control your mind over here, if you let that have control of your mind, it will lead to uh, brokenness, right? It will lead to depression. It will lead to sickness. It will lead to death in all the variety of forms of death. And so this is the difference between living in the sinful nature, being controlled by the sinful nature, and living in the spirit. It's giving our mind, setting our mind on the things of God and only letting God control it. So this is like a, an example of Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I want to read this for you as well. Verse 6 and 7. Um, this is where we begin to see just a practical application of, of this principle. Whoop, I thought I had it. And so Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul is writing this letter, and he says this. Um, Do not be anxious about anything. In other words, don't let your thoughts be consumed with fear or worry. Don't be controlled by that. So he just gives a simple process. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, you release that to God, right? And it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will then guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So you're going to exchange letting your mind not be controlled any longer by fear or anxiety or worry. You're going to give that to God and you're going to receive the peace of God to protect your mind, to protect your heart. And so now you're not living under fear you're not making decisions out of worry, uh, out of insecurity, but you are living in peace. Therefore, you're going to be making different decisions 
you know, because God has the burden, not you. You've given it to him. So you literally are giving control of your mind to the spirit instead of giving control of your mind to fear or to, to sin or to any other fallen desire. And so we give control. That's step two. Number one is we put our mind or set our mind on the things that the spirit desires. But in addition to that, we give control of our mind to the spirit instead of allowing our sinful nature to control it. We all know how this works. We can go a whole day just being under the control of a thought. And we can let that rule us and let that control us. And when it's of the sinful nature, it's going to cause us to make bad choices, to hurt people along the way throughout the day, or to hurt ourselves in different ways. But when we're under the control, our mind is under the control of the peace of God. We have given those things away and received um, the peace of God and the control of our mind is in the hands of the Spirit. We live totally different. That's what it means to live according to the Spirit. All right, so Galatians 6.8 says, The man who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So that's why we want to learn how to live according to the Spirit more and more and more. So we're tilting the scales, right? In our uh, benefit, where we, the more that we're living according to the Spirit and the less we're allowing our old sinful nature to control our thoughts and our mind, then the more life and peace we are going to be reaping because we're planting less seed over here with our sinful nature, which leads to death. We are planting more life seed, more peace seed, more joy seed, more freedom seed by giving our minds over to God, setting our minds on what is right, thinking on purpose about the scriptures, about the word, about the Holy Spirit, about prayer, worship, turning our minds, our thoughts in that direction and giving control of our thoughts to God, to the Spirit. That's what it looks like to live according to the Spirit. Now, Romans 8, 7 says the sinful mind is hostile to God. When our minds are captivated by sin, it is exactly opposite of what God wants. He goes on to say, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So it's just the opposite. Those who are controlled by the Spirit are the ones who are pleasing God, right? And so the third real strength here or, or um, step that Scriptures is telling us to do is not just submitting our mind to God, but submitting our will to God. Just saying to Him every day, God, today I give my life to You. I surrender my will to You. Change me, transform me, lead me. I'm Yours. I give myself to You. Galatians 5.17 says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. There is a direct opposite between our sinful nature and the Spirit of God. And so we need to continue to choose what God is choosing 
We need to put our mind and submit our will to God to take control over that sinful nature. Romans 8, 9 says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So I want to encourage you. I know that we all struggle, but I'm here to just remind you that you are not controlled any longer by the spirit or the, the sinful nature of your past. The Bible says that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. You are now under the control of the Spirit. And every time that sin comes, every time an a evil desire, a temptation, a thought comes from that sinful nature, you and I, we need to just practice these principles and just change our mind. We need to say, God, I thank you that I'm no longer under the control of the sinful nature because you live inside of me. Holy Spirit, you are with me right now and I give my mind, I turn my attention to you, I submit my will to you. You have freed me from that past. Help me, Holy God. Help me, Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, right now, Lord, to live this new life you have for me. And that's how God has empowered us, not by our own effort, not with our own willpower, but through His Spirit in us to turn from those things and to embrace that new life He has for us. Romans 8, 12, and 13 says, Therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature. We don't owe that sinful nature anything to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you die. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So the scriptures are saying, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have the power to put to death that old sinful nature and live. And live. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want to break for our prayer right now. Lord, God, we just thank you for this promise. And Lord, I pray for my friend and myself right now. We need the power of your Holy Spirit in us. Lord, it's by your Spirit we can put to death the misdeeds of our sinful nature, of this body of death. And so, Lord, I pray for a strengthening in your power of your Spirit to come upon us right now to just and continually to teach us how to utilize your presence in our lives, to say no to sin, to put that to death, and to live the new life you have for us in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Amen. And so Colossians 3, 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So we just put it to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have all these internal conversations all the time. So now we're going to start to have these internal conversations with the equipment of the Word of God, of the, of the truth and the principle that the Holy Spirit is with us and He is here uh, to help us overcome that sinful nature of the past. So we are going to now use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to defeat and put to death the old nature, not with our willpower, but with God's Holy Spirit power so we can live in a victory uh, lifestyle, not a defeat lifestyle any longer. So now through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, the words of Ezekiel that God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel are now coming to pass. He said in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. 
I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you and move you by my spirit. I will move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Isn't this awesome? This is coming to pass for each and every one of us who turn our entire uh, lives over to the control of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has now come upon us. God's promise has come to fulfillment. He has put a new spirit within us to move us to follow his decrees and to be careful to follow his law. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I hope you see that this is a primary purpose of the Holy Spirit for you right now, that he is with you. You're not alone in your battle against sin. You're not alone in your battle against addiction. Uh, God isn't on the sidelines watching you, waiting for you to get your act together. God is with you. His spirit is in you. And you can access his strength and his power to have a breakthrough in your life, to defeat that addiction, to defeat that sin. If you will follow these principles, these scriptures that God has given us, he has equipped you with everything that you need for life and for godliness, to be successful in living out this new life that he has for you. And it's not in your own power, but it is yielding to the Holy Spirit, turning your mind to him, giving your will to him, giving control to him, and letting the Holy Spirit overpower your sin and your past. In Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit is our helper to live this new life Jesus made possible. We can live without bondage to sin. We can come out of the darkness and live in the light, right? We can live in victory, not defeat. We now have God power to overcome and to lead us in victory. Titus 2, 11 to 14, I'll close with this. It says, For the grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. Teaching us to say no to the old nature, no to ungodliness, and to empower us to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present age. It goes on to say, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, to buy us back from all wickedness, all of it, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And so through the gospel, through Christ's work on the cross, his death and resurrection and ascension, and the giving and the receiving of the Holy Spirit, God has equipped you to be redeemed out of all wickedness and to be purified for his own sake. And so this is what's true. Use the word of God to fight your battles. Let the power of the Holy Spirit inspire these promises in your heart and begin to turn your mind, turn your will, turn control over to the Holy Spirit and use the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, to defeat these lies of the enemy that you'll always be bound by this sin, that you can never change, that sin will always win in your life. Those are all lies 
that you're disqualified, that God has left you. No, he hasn't. He's with you. He's in you. The very power that's in you to defeat sin is what the devil is trying to convince you that you don't have. But you do have the Holy Spirit, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has come not to beat you up on how bad of a person you are, but to empower you to break off the past and to live in the new. In Jesus' name. Today, I want to pray a blessing on you. Lord, I just pray for my friend watching this. God, if they are really frustrated and dealing with some difficulties in their life with sin, I pray that your word will come alive in their heart by the breath of your Holy Spirit. And your spirit will come upon them in a fresh way to see things differently, to begin to just follow the principles in your word, that you will help them give their thoughts over to you, to turn their attention to you, to seek first your kingdom, to turn their mind off to the old nature and what that nature desires, and to give their time and their thoughts to your word, to your goodness, to who they are in you, to what is true, what is perfect, what is lovely, what is eternal. And Lord, may you just build them up in the power of your Holy Spirit to change their lives, to set them free, to break off the hold of sin in their life, and to turn their defeat into victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I speak life over you, breakthrough for you, victory where there's been defeat by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us all to learn how to live according to your Spirit and no longer live according to our sinful nature, that we might have life abundant, life to the full, peace and joy in you instead of death and brokenness and bondage. Lord, we give ourselves to you today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. And thank you for one another that we have to live this new life in you, in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. Amen. Amen.